1: Welcome back to OK Sis. My name is Maddie. And I am Scout. And in case you haven't caught on yet, we are Sisters IRL. We sure
0: are, Scout. Oh, And today, um, you know, I'm doing good. I'm on some new shit. I love how nobody asked you how you were doing and you just uh, kind of dove right in. And you literally did not catch the reference. Um, you call yourself a Taylor Swift Stan and that is okay. That is literally the opening line to folklore. Oh, I mean, I haven't really listened to the first. I've only listened to
1: the first song once.
0: Okay, but it's a very significant intro into a spectacular wait album. What's the, what's the line again? I'm doing good. I'm on some new shit.. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yes. Um, yeah, so what are your... So, obviously, Taylor Swift dropped an album last week, Folklore. It is stunning the world in so many emotional ways. Mads, I would love to hear your first thoughts and impressions.
0: Yes. Okay, so I've been absorbed with Folklore the past two days since its release, and um, it is both, like, visceral and sophisticated and intimate and exposed. I I think, you know, if you've been listening to cases for long enough, you know that Scout and I had a Taylor Swift awakening, uh, if you will. And they're actually, we we speak, we speak of ourselves in two ways. BTS before Taylor Swift and ATS after Taylor Swift. (laughs) Where we, um, we pushed aside our judgments and strange uh, prejudices towards her. I don't even know why we had this strong angst towards her and I think she is very polarizing. that is a huge uh, debate in the world but I'm so happy we're on this side of the Taylor Swift Stanhood because I am I'm here for a good uh, uh, a long a good time not a long time no a long time not a good time both a long time and a good time okay <laughs> wow yeah so obviously this <laughs> well, wait, 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 wait. I, I have oh. a lot of thoughts i wrote down all my thoughts so, okay, uh, i'm because just not I, I gonna
1: do- talk for the next 15 minutes go
0: yeah well because we're gonna both um explain our our gut reactions and our thoughts so i do want to say a quote from the guardian that i thought and variety that i thought really summed up this this uh this album the guardian said her emotional equity has never been more assured and variety said it's hard to remember any contemporary pop star that has indulged in a more serious or successful act of sonic palate cleansing i mean i just there's no other way to say it it does feel that way there's not one song on this album that is a banger, or there, in order to, um, with it, with the only intention of it being on the charts, and I think that was ex- extremely intentional. It was very much what she was going for. This this album fe- feels like it's something for her. It's like a gift to her, and I think she's usually sprinkled in those one or two songs that you know she knows will do well on the charts. She knows that'll be you know on the radio and and work well in that way, but. This album is just, a it's like a love letter to herself. And um, I think just Taylor is so in harmony with her emotions. She is so sincere with herself. She's so self-aware. And the way that she translates... The sensations she feels within the world around her but also within her inner world into these like relatable i I mean uber relatable melodies and stories they're stories each song is is a moment in time and she's so great at uh visualizing it through song like you can feel like you're with her in in every step of the of the uh the story but it's excessively powerful she is such a powerful songwriter and uh expresser of her emotions and i just i don't know i it made me realize that although i've been introspecting a lot these past couple years um and and learning to understand myself i just don't i don't feel as deep of an understanding in an alliance with myself as it seems like Taylor does and it seems like she does in this album and it's just it's it has inspired me to maybe engage in a bit more self study and i don't know what that looks like whether that's journaling or whether that's just keeping notes on my phone of just like little moments that seem insignificant but actually have this have this monumental Um, significance on my life and I I don't know she just she's she's expressing all of these little moments that add up to a huge realization or a huge uh, emotion and it's just like I feel like all of us are letting these fleeting moments pass us unanalyzed where I just feel so inspired now to just start creating a time capsule for myself and really uh sitting with specific emotions specific things and occurrences that happened to me um and i just feel like folklore is that it's just her inner workings and her it, it's like this uh this self study of herself does that make sense am i rambling probably <laughs> yeah well
1: you are but no it all makes sense yeah i think that a lot of people had that emotional connection i think that it came at a very obviously opportune time, not opportune, but um, significant time in which coronavirus, BLM, like people are really reassessing their lives. But I think that she has obviously grown up into a different level of emotional processing and the way she views the world. Um, her song with Bonnie Iver is so good. I—I I, That's my favorite on the album, in my opinion. Um, and there's, I mean... I don't really know how to formulate so many of my opinions in the sense that without sounding pretentious, you know, so sorry, I'm just going to say what I feel. There ha- I mean, I think it's an incredible album. I love Taylor Swift. This album is beautiful. I'm so proud of her for bringing subjects and, and poetry like this to the world without a banger, without thinking about the charts. You know, a pop star of her caliber has not done this before. However, these emotional, poetic albums have existed for a very long time via different artists. Like when I was younger, I listened to Emily Haynes. Regina Spector is a great storyteller. Leonard Cohen's amazing. And so I think what she's doing is bringing that like indie artistic, lyrical poetry vibe into the mainstream. But Mm -hmm. these kinds of albums have been created that I've had extremely stronger connections to over the years and have, which is probably why I, in the beginning, did not like Taylor Swift because I felt like there was more to her that she was not expressing on her albums and that it was a little bit one-dimensional and a little bit poppy. Um, I, you know, We've obviously had a Taylor awakening where we super respect her hustle, her drive, her creativity, how she completely is an emotional human being and an artist. Um, so while I have been also listening to it nonstop, it's beautiful. I think that I am kind of like oh, here you are, like, here's the album I've been waiting for. Like, I would have listened to you in high school. I would have listened to you in college. This was the album I was searching for by a girl who's so relatable where maybe, like, Leonard Cohen isn't so relatable. Regina Spector was never so relatable, stuff like that. Emily Haynes was never relatable. So in that sense, I love folklore, and I think it's absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, I've and always been a proponent of poetic, lyrical stuff. That's always been where I get drawn to.
0: Yeah, it's definitely your vibe. And this album, I think, aligns perfectly with that, that lyricism, that etherealism. It's this, obviously, even the visuals of the album art and the photographs she's been sharing on social, it's a completely, um, it just feels like toned down, but, and, and and a little more inward, which I which I'm really, really, I'm so happy to see that side of her, exactly what you said. And, you know, we're newfound Swifties, so I've been reading a lot about how Folklore has, like, dethroned her album Red as the most vulnerable album. And apparently Red, like, still remains a lot of people's favorite album. I think it had a lot of significance because it was her transition from the, like, curly hair country girl into this a little more – a little more uh formed human being i guess and um so i listened to red yesterday on my drive to san diego because i was like okay what's all the hype about like let me see and i think people feel a kinship towards it because it was released in 2012 uh she was 22 that's where the song 22 is on the album red and I think people were also that age when they were listening to this or they were in high school and they were listening to this kind of coming of age album. And I don't you know, I that's why I don't think I was resonating with it as much as I do with folklore, because folklore fear feels like there's this maturity. It's, um, you know, the first album she's made in her 30s and it feels just so much more elevated and her voice, it feels like she is just so assured. She is so like okay with herself. She understands herself and she is so ready to share that with everyone. Um, so I am just, I'm elated. Taylor Swift, Oi, you are just a magical, mystical woman and a uh, a wordsmith, if I've ever heard one. So my favorite songs, you mentioned Exile, which is the one with the Bon Bear. And my favorites are The One, which is the first song on the album, Mirrorball and August. I think August is everyone's contender for favorite song across the board. It is oh, just really? really soothing. The lyric, this is the best lyric, and I can see us twisted in bed sheets. August slipped away like a bottle of wine because you were never mine. Just yeah, I like Swift. Ah, the,
1: the uh, like I I lived in hope or something. Read that line if you have it up. Do you have it up?
0: Uh, oh, I don't have it up it, from uh, August.
1: Yeah, where it's. She's talking about, like, how she would cancel plans and hopes that he would call and that he, she lived in a relationship that was just hopeful thinking. Yeah. I think all all women have related to that at one point or
0: another. Exactly. Ugh,
1: it's but just Exile is amazing. Exile is so beautiful. I think Exile is the best song on the album, but it's also, like, a lot more me because it's Bon Bear, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was so... Art- like, I read the lyrics, and it was extremely it was crafted quite particularly and consciously
0: yeah and i think even the fact that she has Bonnie vair on her album as a co-writer of this song and i i believe this song and many, some others i'm i'm not sure but i think that just um that shows this growth that she's had as an artist, as an individual in society, as a musical talent, I don't think she could have gotten someone like bonnie Bear on an album of hers five years ago.
1: No, and, and it, it begs—it's a to testament wonder. to
0: her. It's a testament to her place in the musical in the music industry. I think.
1: Yeah, it begs me to think about it because. I've always, and maybe this is too black and white in the way I've thought of people, but that like deep artistic poetic sentiment, I believe you're kind of born with and like not born with, but are attracted to at a really young age when you are going through intense emotions, puberty, navigating your early 20s and all this stuff. So that stuff, that kind of like jargon and that kind of mood setting I really associate with, like, high school and college age and middle 20s age. I don't associate it with late 20s, early 30s. And so it's interesting to see her coming to this place now, or maybe it's always been there, and she's just tapped into her more playful side in her career. So I think it's interesting the timeline in which this is being brought about, if that makes sense.
0: Well, yeah, because she's um, still with uh, the man – oh, God, what is who is she with? What's his name? Her boyfriend. Oh, shit. Her boyfriend, sorry, I don't remember saying. Anyways, she's still with him. And there's also rumors that she like might be secretly married to him. But um so and a lot of the the songs are about breakups and about heartbreak and loss. And it just kind of shows that she does have a lot of past that she still hasn't covered in her music Mm -hmm. and I think you know this album covers a, a lot of her 20s it's not just I think lover was obviously completely focused around her current boyfriend um and was a an ode to him and their love story whereas this feels a lot more about uh past relationships that she might have not fully recovered from, or that she's still learning from, which I think is, is really admirable. I, I think a lot of people like myself would just kind of go through a breakup and then try to like leave it in the past and move on. Whereas she is incapable of that in a way, like, which is fine. Like it's, it's important to sit through your emotions and sift through them and understand the capacity she has to feel and then what does that mean for her future what does that mean for her current relationship and I think obviously she does she does that uh, contemplation and that working through that on a very public <laughs> stage but I think it, it's a good um, it's a good practice to give to her fans like look there's we all go through heartbreak and I'm still writing about it maybe five years after this relationship has passed, but there are still beautiful moments from that relationship that I wanna honor and that I wanna sing about and that I want you to know about. And it's I don't know, something about that is just really profound. Um and I'm I'm really happy that our generation and the young the youngins in these these days have her and these songs to uh to listen to and feel to and cry to she's just I mean it's incredible truly
1: yeah I'm trying to not feel all my feelings because I feel them too much so <laughs> maybe maybe that's where I'm like okay this is beautiful but like I've had enough feeling like I'm done analyzing I'm done I'm done poetically trying to paint my life you know I'm trying to be a little bit more rational but in that sense mm-hmm. yes I think that. Now that she's come of age in this sense, I would love to see her and Adele do a song together. I think, like, it would be so fucking powerful, you know, because Adele writes about heartbreak in such a other sort of way. Um, And I think them coming together would be really beautiful. So maybe we can put that out there into the universe.
0: Yes. Well, I hope all of you sisters are listening to Folklore, feeling the feelings. Um, It's definitely inspired me to take my emotional growth a little more seriously and at least um, with a more with a m- more intentional look I guess if that makes that's sense. That's
1: good. You should start right by writing poetry. It really helps. It's a good way.
0: Oh yeah baby.
1: <laughs> anyway, sisters, we want to talk to you today about the thing that saves our lives every single day. And that's C B D. More specifically premium Jane C B D. You guys know this is the okay sis C B D I take this every single night before I go to bed when I need to chill out in the evening. They come in gummies. They come in oils. It's cute. The whole thing is amazing, and I am super picky when it comes to CBD. I have tried so many, and I am here on the fucking record saying that Premium Jane is super high quality, and it works to just calm you out and get that sleep that you need, so If you have heard us talk about Premium Jane CBD over and over and over again or seen our cute Instagram stories with it or our IGTV and you're like, "Ugh, I really should get on the CBD train, now is your chance. If you go to premiumjane.com, you can get 20% off, which is like a good chunk of change with code OKSYS. That's premiumjane.com with code OKSYS for 20% off because I think... It is the consensus of 2020 that we need something to chill us the fuck out. Are you with me, Mads?
0: I'm with you 100%, sister.
1: Yeah, so check it out, sisters. We will leave the link in our show notes so you can get your cute CBD chill all the good things on.
0: Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com, that's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com, and use code OKSISTER for 15% off.
1: OK, sisters, let's talk about hair shedding. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp? Hi, I've been there. When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach.
0: Ugh, thinning hair just isn't the vibe. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Amen.
1: Everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth just doesn't cut it. Nutrafol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow through different stages, such as postpartum, like me.
0: O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about.
1: Okay, should we get into housekeeping? Sure. You want to run us a quick
0: quick update? Yeah, sisters, um, here's all the fun things and the fun touch points that we have as O.K. Sis content creators. We have a newsletter that comes out every Monday in conjunction with our episodes that come out every Monday morning, which you're listening to at the moment, um, you can subscribe to our newsletter at OKCISpodcast.com. We also have a link in our bio in our Instagram, which is at podcast. podcast. Um, you should also, while you're over there, just follow us on Insta because it's a fun time. Um, and then always, as always, go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe with who. Send this episode to a fellow Swifty fellows someone who has been binging folklore on repeat all day this weekend um because they'll probably enjoy this episode
1: yeah did you say girl getting the label because i took a sip of my coffee and it was a lot of coffee beans and so i had to spit it out and so i wasn't listening for a second because it was disgusting oh
0: Yikes. Um, I did not. Thank you for okay. reminding me. We
1: have a little collab collection with Girl Gang, the label. Um, just go to the link in the show notes. Um, it'll take you there. Um, and basically, we created sweatsuits. We created bowler hats. We created totes, mugs, all the things. And you it mean says bucket bu- hats. Bucket hats, sorry. And it says oh, support oh your God. sisters. So it's super cute. Okay. This episode is super perfect timing because we're talking about emotions. We're talking about emotional maturity, and feelings, and all the things. And we had Tina Marie Clark, who is one, goals of a human being, if you you know look at her Instagram. But two, she really touched Maddie in this episode and awakened Maddie to a lot of emotional philosophies that I have been living my life by, and it was so beautiful to see. So tell us who Tina Marie Clark is, Mads.
0: Yeah, so she's the founder of the Shift Stir Method, and she talks all about... It and breaks it down, but specifically, and it's very um, apt that we're talking about this at this moment because we just were talking about Taylor Swift really sitting with her emotions and actually processing them rather than jumping to a conclusion or jumping to a reaction, which is something that I have struggled with in the past and currently still struggle with is um, I usually shy away from negative emotions and feelings and moments in order to get back to a baseline of positivity or happiness, which is really not uh, productive, and it's also not a realistic life and, and way to live your life. So Tina Marie Clark has um, adopted this philosophy uh, where she is able to really sit with emotions and understand herself rather than, uh, you know, being being reactionary, reactionary, reactive That's a word reactive there we go yeah and she's just a god-blessed human i mean a mama she's a mother she is just so beautiful calm and soothing and it's a it's a really profound episode and i'm really excited for everyone to tune in yeah so enjoy sisters enjoy Tina Marie Clark is a mother, model, and shift stirrer. She guides people through her shift stirrer method, SSM, a 5S method to get your shit together and shift your perception. This method is designed to transform negative thought patterns, also known as stir stories, into more empowering ones. What she coins, shift stories. She draws on magic in the mundane moments and own your awful stories to reveal the lessons and transformative power in our everyday experiences. She curates conversations for others to share their own stir stories, leading them to the edge of their evolution. Without further ado, Tina Marie.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I love that
0: intro and and talk about getting high on your own supply.
2: Whenever I hear somebody do the intro, not that it's personal, but I- fully believe in the transformative power of owning your awful and just shifting your perception. And I just, I I love hearing it.
0: All right. Yay. Okay. Well, I mean, that intro was just like soup for my soul. I am just so excited to get into all of your phrases. I feel like you have come up with so many and coined so many terms that we're just gonna need to get all the tina marie definitions thank you
2: yeah yeah. i i actually like when i think of magic in the mundane and own your awful it's just a great way for me to even remember and embody like what does it mean to own your awful because a lot of people are like awful like you shouldn't call that awful and what i mean by owning your awful it's not that owning something what you're owning is awful it's that our perception sometimes on how we are who we are how we act what we do can be considered shameful or embarrassing to us and it's not that it's fundamentally awful per se but it's our perception of that and owning like hey sometimes I do get a little envious or Sometimes I do, uh, you know, get a little short with my husband, or mm-hmm. sometimes I do quickly react to whatever. But owning that and mm-hmm. moving past that and sharing that with other women, I think, has been really empowering because, especially with social media and all of these things, it's it's this airbrushed version of ourselves, which is it it makes a great picture, but it doesn't give an accurate. Portrayal of our our lives, and I think that when we own our awful and are in communion with other women and share our instead of our highlight reel, our real real mm. like our real real, what is really going on, and what is really causing us pain, suffering, and or distress or annoyance. It doesn't have to be mm. so big, but just like those subtle shifts that happen within ourselves, and sharing that and being open and more transparent um, in the social media sector and even just with other women has been powerful. You just connect with people and it's really cool to see what kind of conversations and connections you can make when when you tell your real story.
0: Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we're gonna get into all of that. Especially, you know, a lot of things already come up for me in terms of, you know, acceptance of insecurities and kind of really uh, being okay with the holistic version of yourself and not just the version of yourself that you are on your best days, but rather sitting with and loving the side of yourself that kind of has shitty days sometimes. And I'm so excited to get into all that. But first, let's do current fixations, Scout.
1: Okay, I'm so excited about my current fixation today. It's actually Frank Sinatra. Um, I don't know why, but over the weekend, I was called to put Frank Sinatra on. And the first song I put on, I was driving and I put it on right as I was like, you know, reversing out of my driveway. And I put on My Way by Frank Sinatra. And I've heard it before, but there was something about it that I just had a visceral reaction to and I started falling like absolutely a hundred percent falling in my car for 10 minutes straight I listened to it twice in a row and it just so encapsulated I think what I needed to hear in that moment is that I am doing it my way I am living my life my way and there was just some things like you know he takes the blows like you know and I just pictured dying and this being played at my funeral and it was just such an mm-hmm. anthem for me and it was also a reminder of I'm on the right path and even though it feels hard sometimes, like as long as I'm doing it my way, you know, that's all I can ask out of life. And that's all I can ask out of myself to be in true alignment with myself and my intentions. So I have been listening to Frank Sinatra. Also, um, That's Life is a really great one to listen to if you're feeling a little like, why is life shitty sometimes? I would definitely recommend listening to That's Life by Frank Sinatra. So And yeah, I just, he's giving me all the mood. I love Palm Springs with my husband and that whole mid-century modern Hollywood era. So Frank Sinatra, we always play him when we're making dinner and stuff, but listening to him by myself in the morning has been a really great way to connect inwards and kind of, I don't know, I found sort of an anthem in his songs, which I love. So that is my current fixation. Oh,
0: what a delight. It's so funny. My boyfriend is also obsessed with Frank Sinatra and he plays it to annoy me. So maybe I should listen to it alone to kind of get the full effect. Yes, you should. I love that. Okay. My current fixation. So everyone knows I've been kind of going through like a TV dry spell, if you will. I just haven't found like a a show that I'm like really looking forward to watching and it just kind of releases me at the end of my day and lets me wind down. And I was recommended a TV show called looking on HBO and it's about these gay men in San Francisco. It's kind of a drama, but it feel, but it's like there's comedic elements. It feels very like sex in the city, but for gay people and it's just delightful. I don't know. The cinematography, I feel like I've never seen a show in San Francisco. And I really love that city. So it's kind of nice and refreshing to kind of see a different landscape. And it's a good show. Everyone, I highly recommend it. Love that. That's a good there you one. you go. New
1: quarantine show. Okay, Tina love Marie, that.
2: what's your current fixation? Nails. Mm. I have uh, bitten or bit my nails since I was a child and i finally kicked the habit so now i have these like claws that i like even when i see myself in a photo or i'm like Aww. these are my nails it just reminds you that you can change who you are even after so many years of doing something i'm like oh my gosh i actually have pretty hands and, and nails and i've been really taking care of them and my my cure all is for me keeping them covered all the time. Like I'm even, uh, they're clean right now. Cause I didn't get a chance to polish them right before our podcast. And I'm even worried just sitting here without them. Cause I've made it such a strict rule for myself that I need to have them covered. But I'm really proud of myself. I have long Wait, nails. Wait, what do
0: you? Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. So I'm a I'm a huge nail biter. Have been my entire same, life. So that's same. why I need to get acrylics because it's the only thing. is even with gel, I'll bite off the gel. So what do you mean? What do you mean when you cover them? You have like she little nail it. pads? No, she means painted. Painted. Right? Yeah, yeah. So oh, funny. I was like, I was imagining you wearing like little, <laughs> like little mitts.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like little kid mitts. No, I just have to have a manicure at least once a week and then even if let's just say i have the manicure and something chips i will paint over it with just even if it's a different color i don't care but it has to be covered until i can get another manicure because i'll pick around it i'll bite around it and it just if i have nice polish on it i'm not going to bite to mess up the nail polish so if that was like the way that I started I was really consistent I would even do it every four days in the beginning and then once I started getting a little bit of white of of nail I like at the tip I was like okay I can do more and then it got longer and longer and now I have these like like little daggers and I'm really proud
1: that's how I am I have to paint my nails or else I bite them so I've been doing I can't I can't have long nails because it's really hard for me to type with long nails. And I do a lot on the computer. So I'm always um, clipping them once a week, but I have to have them painted or else I'll bite them too.
0: It takes such self constraint. I don't think people understand how hard it is not to bite your nails. Like it is, it takes so much like mental, like mindset shifting just to be like, nope. I don't need to bite it. I'm good. Like, wow, brava. I haven't gotten there yet, but.
2: I needed a safeguard because even if I couldn't consciously know, like, do not bite your nails, I needed something to remind me. So it was like, okay, paint your nails and you're going to always be reminded of the prettiness. So that's where you're going. So you may not be that aware, like consciously about the nails. So that has been my buffer is, is covering them. Because it is, it's, it's habit, it's um, in the method, there is uh, ways that you can identify that you're stirring. And some things happen physiologically and some things happen emotionally inside your mind. And physiologically for me, when I was stirring and I have deviated into a negative thought pattern, one of the quickest ways I could identify that I was stirring was when I bit my nails. I was in my mind. Like, if you want to know if I'm anxious, I'm biting my nails. Yeah. So that's like a trigger point for me where I'm like, okay, but even if I'm feeling that I'm consciously like, I get it. I'm feeling that way, but I will not do this. So um, it's amazing what we all do.
0: Yeah. It's like a physical manifestation of anxiety. I also feel that way too. People say say that. So
1: uh, you'll see me playing with my hair a lot. People say that it's an anxious habit, but for me, it's a focus habit. So, you know what I mean? Like when I'm sitting here looking like I'm focusing, like it just puts my. you know, I, I don't think it's a nervous habit because I don't do it when I'm nervous. I do it when I'm focusing.
2: Interesting. You know? Oh, I believe that there's all of these, uh, our body and minds do the craziest things. And we all have things that will comfort ourselves in some way. hmm yeah, so I am not a hundred percent sure that that's a um, nervous thing. It's just something that will help you to do something good or bad. Yeah, It could mm-hmm. be, it could be something going forward or it could be something going backward. And for it me, I was like, I was getting to the point where I was like fighting and bleeding and like, it, it was not a cute look and it just mm-hmm. was, Uh, my emotions manifesting on the
0: outside. Talk about first is though, like your introduction to wellness. I mean, you obviously said like there were things like biting your nails. I'm sure there were many other kind of signals that kind of jumpstarted you into a interest or passion with wellness. So I'd love to hear kind of like your trajectory into this world. So
2: I would say that my trajectory, like I, I would say it was changed when i really noticed and was confronted with the idea of that i was causing a lot of my own discomfort as a teenager i was really destructive and angry and really just i i, I was kind of i had a lot of rage and i had a lot of shame and that would manifest into really like destructive patterns and i was my mom's like my, she is my best friend. And we always talk about the journey inward and what is actually going on. So it may look like I'm really mad at this person, but there's something going on inside of me that is creating that. And I, so that started me on the journey to self-discovery and to look inward. So it's always been a part of my life. I would say like I started at 11 And then I started getting more serious and becoming um, like more, it it became a hobby where I was like, I love going to retreats and I love all of my books. Like I never wanted to read any novels because I really wanted to explore my own mind and understand other people more. So that became a hobby of mine. And then I felt like I was like a little bit of a, a researcher. I was trying on different things that worked and didn't work. And then I was a model for uh, since I was fifteen years old, and I was so visibly seen, but I was never like emotionally seen. So becoming um, the creator and author of the Shiftster method has been a different um, being seen in for more of my inward my inward world. So it's cool to be seen in, um, in that way because I'm really showing up as myself.
0: Not that I wasn't as a model, but it was really, um, it was just different. So the shifter method, break it down for us, what it is, how it developed, why you think that this is something that people need to implement in their lives.
2: Yes, so the, it's a five-step method to shift your perception. And I'll just give you the five steps. It's stir, which is recognize you've deviated into a negative thought pattern. Two is the sit. Sit without reaction, outward reaction, with your thoughts and emotions for 24 hours. The third step is the sift. Sift through thoughts, emotions, and emotional er, – default defenses that you want to use to protect yourself. Number four is the share. Owning your awful and sharing with other people, especially women, about what you're stirring about, what is causing you to deviate into a negative thought pattern. And then there's the shift. After you've done all of this work to unwrap and dive deep into what's really going on you can't come out the other side the same person I would say when you really get down and be honest with yourself and really go inside of your mind to know why you deviated there's you can't not have a shift you can take a part of it and responsibility or some level of understanding or compassion when you do the work so I just think it's so important because I spent and I still have to use this method daily even if it's like in a little way but I needed something for me when people were like oh you know you should meditate you should you know do yoga and all these things I was like yeah I get it and I do those things but I'm still so reactive and I needed something that when I was in those moments I could use so the method for me it was when I was irritated or offended at a dinner party what could I use at that moment I wasn't going to pull up my meditation pillow to the dinner but I was going to use my method and say okay you're stirring it's and it's an internal dialogue okay you're stirring you need to sit no reaction TM we can when we get home we can sift and you could share about this, but right now your only job is to sit.
1: I, there's so many things that are like coming up for me right now because I can see such a blend of so many practices that I've researched that kind of put it all into one, into a much more digestible and also simplistic way. So I have bipolar disorder, so I've been on like a psychology research trip my whole life. And it seems like there's, uh, there's, there's things in like so many different phases of my life. Like, um, what's the, what's the therapy called? DB, um, Uh, CBT, cognitive,
2: cognitive behavioral therapy. Therapy.
1: So I did that and they had thought records, which is where you put a distorted thought and you go through this long, 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 long thing to come up with a balanced thought. And I was like, I get it. It's nice, but I don't have time to whip out my fucking pen and paper and draw my tree and, you know, do it all and whatever. And then there's something about the sharing aspect that reminds me of Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12-step program, which is the fourth step, which is sharing. And then the last one, the shifting of the mindset, reminds me of a more spiritual practice. And so it's like so cool to identify some of these things and how you have brought them all together in something that is a lot more approachable as well as what people in the mental health and mental wellness space are craving. They're, they're asking, what do I do when I feel this way? And that method gives, gives you the roadmap.
2: Yes, thank you. Because that's exactly what it was for me, because I was going to all of those things. I have gone to Al-Anon meetings. I have gone to, um, I, I saw a therapist for many years. I loved going on retreats. So I really, um, the things that worked for me stuck. And they had gone unmethodized. I didn't have a name for them. I just knew that this is how I process my stirs. So when I uh, was thinking about going into this, because I knew that it really excited me and lit me up to talk about this and to teach people and to share with people about these things that I had discovered, but there was no container for it at the time. I didn't have I didn't have the words, oh, it's a method or oh there's five steps. So I really took everything that worked for me and then translated it into a step and even just having the guidepost for myself now that it's methodized per se. I will be like, okay, Tam, you're stirring, you need to sit. And I'll even you know, like, it's nice to have that. Oh, I don't have to wonder what to do next. I know exactly what to do and how to do it and how to process. And um, I really do thank you for saying that, that it is a blend. And it really is. I feel like the, the best parts for me or the, the most potent steps of the things that I've, um, experienced where I'm like, oh, that really gets there. It's like the best of the best altogether. Mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. um, maybe that's my personal preference or it's just my, um, my way or what shifts me, but I've, these things really just helped me to get back to center and, um, in a, in a, in a way that allows me to have confidence. Mm-hmm. This method gives and builds confidence with yourself. When you're able to see yourself, I was talking to someone earlier about when I first started applying the method, I felt like a Jedi. I felt like a wizard. I was like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing. I felt so powerful. And it wasn't outside of me. It was through me doing something with me. And that was normally softening and surrendering. And it was so contrarian to what I thought it was going to be because I thought it was going to be stick up for yourself and be independent and be this, you know, badass. But it was really um, the opposite. It was going back into self and checking in. That's where I got my confidence and where I do my best. Um, yeah. in, my, in my softness, I am my most powerful.
0: I want to talk about the sit. Uh, step because yes. that That's gives the me anxiety one. just thinking about it. But um, it's also something you know. I started going to therapy two years ago, and a big realization that I had is that I cannot. I and I have not mastered the sit in it and just let yourself feel out the emotion and actually. Uh, Accept it. Um, To me, I've always been a very outwardly happy and energetic and loud personality. So I always thought, like, oh, if I have a bad emotion or a bad thought, like, let's fix it, let's change it, let's let's go in a positive direction, let's figure out how to make it go away. Right then, in sorry, yes, right then, like exactly, right then in real time, right, which is so does not serve and is also it's also just like not possible and it's not productive and it's also not sustainable. I mean, I've had a lot, a lot of breakdowns and through therapy, I've noticed that like, I don't give myself time to feel those emotions and sit with them. And, um, even just being aware of that is a first step in itself and, you know, really contemplating because I think I've gotten better over with it over the past year where if, you know, something spurs me in the moment and I'm just like, fuck, my whole day is derailed and da-da-da. It's like, no, like, yeah, this is a shitty thing that happened. And, like, let's just like accept it and let myself take time with it and sit with it so that I can... Fully react with a like a clean slate or like a more informed uh, approach. So talk to me, kind of like, what are some things in that sit step do, that you do? Because that's the that's the most challenging for me.
2: Uh, absolutely, I am you a hundred percent. That's how I want to. I want to get shit done. I am capable. I am a great communicator. I have all the words. I can tell you what's up which is such a power, but uh, going back to what you were saying, there is a difference between reacting and responding. Mm -hmm. And what I was doing was I was reacting from an emotional spot, not from a level of uh, response. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, when you're sitting, that doesn't mean somebody else is getting away with something or that you're not uh vocalizing it's i'm actually allowing myself to sit to check in with myself and my motives of why i'm doing this so with the sit i use a lot of sit mantras that's in the book i will have to say a mantra to myself when i'm stirring. Um, Sometimes it uses the the B word. Uh, Like I will tell myself, I'll be like, you better sit, bitch. You better sit. You better sit. You are cruising for a bruising. Like you better sit, bitch. I will literally say that. I'm not that I'm a bitch, but like you better, you are, you're cruising for a bruising. You know where this ends up. And it doesn't, we were talking about alignment before. This reaction is not in alignment on where you're going or where you want to go this is coming from fear, or I'll do um, not today Satan. So I'll say it by my like not today Satan, I know you're trying to get me, no, 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 I am going to sit with this, I am okay. And I think that um, in the method, we use these things called default defenses. The things that we have learned over time help protect us From perceived danger. So we believe, so I can identify with on some level, we believe that if we nip it in the bud right now, we are going to avoid feeling something later, or we have a belief system all around all of that. And when we take action right then, or when we react right then, that can allow us to. We believe that we can somehow soften the blow, or it will somehow. Um, we want to release the pressure. Because what happens is when we're stirring and we use a default defense, it's something that is giving us relief from our thoughts. So let's just take you through a stir. Somebody bothers you and you feel like you need to react right away and write the email or send the text or whatever it is. There are thoughts that are going on in your mind that by responding, you will be able to expedite. So you're trying to get yourself out of that level of pain within the mind. Because if you deal with it right now, you won't have to actually sit with those thoughts but you can run, but you can't hide. Those thoughts are going to be there no matter when you deal with them. And when we allow ourselves to actually be there in the discomfort of those thoughts, that's when they lessen the stronghold they have over our life. Can I sit with you being annoyed with me let's just say like say I get a text from you and I feel like you're annoyed with me and I want to go and I want to make sure we're okay and that's my response or that's my reaction to you because I'm afraid that you're not going to like me or whatever it is that would would be me trying to uh, avoid the thoughts of having to think of somebody not liking me And a lot of people don't want to sit with that, but would it be okay? Is it okay if somebody doesn't like me? But in in that moment, we perceive that it's earth shattering and we feel like it's really heavy. So we want to address it right in that moment because we can't stand another moment of feeling that. But when we feel that and allow ourselves to realize that that's what's going on, or even be the observer of it. That's where the, the power, if I, if I could recommend one thing forever and ever and ever, it's the sit. You could forget about everything else, even though they're really potent and they give you magical things. But if you can master the sit, that you, you're, you could just be done with it because it just transforms. So when we were talking about trajectory, that's where you want to change the trajectory of your life. You want to open up possibilities. You sit
0: yeah that I mean, you're literally sp- like you just explained an exact scenario that even happened to me last week where, you know, I got a text from a friend, and I was like, Okay, and let me address this right now because I'm literally not going to be able to focus at work. and it took it it I was so angry at myself that it took such a toll on my mental health and on my mindset. That I was like, I need to address this now, or else I won't get any work done. And you know, I called her right away, and I you know tried to whatever. And I think it was like a half-assed type of conversation. Like I could have, again, sat with it and really understood what I was going to respond with, and what I really formulate my thoughts and really take time to to come to a rational you know, Mm -hmm. type of, you know, I think it's rational. Like when I was, when I'm reacting, it's with emotion. It's with, and that whole like caring what people think and understanding that like that, that fear of like, oh my God, they don't like me. They're, they're bothered by me. Like, let me fix it. Like that is something I'm plagued by. Um, Definitely. So I I even just like thinking about like, if I just thought about that specific scenario, what, what would have happened if I just like, you know what? Like, okay, I, I see that. Let me just like take a beat. And that's a really, really powerful practice. I can see how that could shift the way you even interact. Respond. You, you respond, yeah. even with yourself,
2: allowing yourself to sit. Uh, you know, some of the mantras that I use during this sit is, I am not seeing all of this. There is something I am not seeing here. So if it's God or the universe, show me what I'm not seeing here because this person sent me a text and this is sending me into a tailspin and it shouldn't, there's something here that you want me to, to release, show me. So when I take it on as personal and I disconnect it being about that person and I think about, about it as, um, a opportunity for my growth as a human being, That's when I start getting that confidence and that power. Because I'm like, hmm, like, oh, I have a big, this, that situation gave a big charge. Like, oh, this, this got me to like, really not be able to focus. There's something here for me. There's something big here that I have to see. Because somehow, no matter who it is, it, it, this seems to come up for me often. Let me just sit with this. Let me, and then you can do the rest of the steps. Or even if you just sit. I'm telling you, nine times out of 10, if you give yourself that 24 hours, you're going to feel completely different about it anyway. And it lessens that stronghold. It allows it to like just reduce and, and um, become more relaxed so you can get comfortable being uncomfortable with those thoughts. Or you can get comfortable with that uncomfortable thought. So you're like, yeah. oh, yeah. I, I noticed myself, uh, you know, wanting her to like me. Oh, I, I've had that for a while. Like, oh, yeah, that's where you own your offer. Of, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's that thought of me wanting to have people like me again. Oh, yeah, I have a propensity for that. And allowing it to just be a thought versus, oh, this is how I normally defend myself or protect myself.
1: Do you, uh, are you familiar with Sarah Blondin?
2: No, but that okay. she sounds so, familiar.
1: Is she a meditation? Yes. She's oh, is she on Insight? Insight? Oh, yes. I do know her.
2: She's amazing.
1: She has this meditation on um, sitting through the discomfort and how mm-hmm. we should really like lead into it and own it and just sit there. And I've actually, which is weird, been listening to it for the past few nights, um, which has been amazing. And something you said earlier that I really want to point out is surrender. You said the word surrender. surrender. So I have been also really trying to sit with my uncomfortable emotions. I think for most of my life I sat too long in my uncomfortable emotions. And now whenever I feel it, I'm like, am I stirring? I say spiraling. Am I going down? Am I going down? Like, oh, shift to the next, whatever. So I'm learning to sit in the discomfort and say it's okay to feel discomfort. Like at the end of the day, we're all safe, like physically, emotionally, spiritually safe. And that's what I, that's my mantra, is that I'm safe. But you said the word surrender and that's something that I'm really trying to work on and it's really hard for me and I'm feeling a major resistance to surrendering because it is surrendering control. It is surrendering to something greater than you. What, what does surrendering look like to you? Who or what are you surrendering to if there is an image in your mind? And what are some tips that you have to just get rid of that resistance and really step into that?
2: So when I... The bigger the charge, the bigger the the payoff. So when you're saying like, oh, I was feeling so much resistance to it. It's because this is the thing that you've been running away from and that keeps you from your limitlessness or your abundance or whatever it is that's behind it. It's a big payoff. So it's causing maximum discomfort for optimal results. So when I see that big charge, I will understand that, but there's so much more to it. And it's like an indicator. It's saying like, GM, big, 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 this is it. This is huge. Go here, go here. And before it seemed like it was opposite. It was like resistance. That means that I shouldn't be going there. My body or my mind doesn't want that. that. That should be an indicator of like discomfort is like, don't, don't put your hand on the on the stove. It's contrarian to uh, the human uh, condition, I would say. But when we soften into that, and surrendering to me is, um, I would say God or the universe. It depends on, to be honest, what day. Like I was doing this meditation prayer yesterday, and I was like, Hashem, God, universe, Lord, I literally had every single name in there because there is so many that resonate with me at different times. And I think different prayers or mantras have different things. So it's just the infinite, the source, the creator. So when I'm really in there, I'm like, so if I would just take you through, God, I know there's something you want to show me. I know that you want to show me something, show me the way I'm overwhelmed. And I know that I ha- there's something here that you want me to see. I'm going to be, I'm going to be watching and I'll deal with that later, but I'm going to be watching for what you need me to see because I want to grow. And I know you want me to grow and I'm, I'm paying attention. I'm going to surrender because I know I want to do these 10 things to protect myself, but I won't because I'm going to watch you and I'm going to believe and surrender to the possibility that I don't have all of the answers.
1: My prayers sound almost identical to what you just said. Like seriously, I just say, God, thank you so much for giving me this challenge. I am welcoming all sorts of scenarios that you think is best for me. Show me the way, I will surrender to you. I will let you tell me what's best. I will follow your guidance, Um, but it's like, But it's, it's so magical, but I mean, it is hard because your ego is there and you want to control everything.
2: Yes. And when I really get into it, when I really am like, when I feel like I am just opening and I'm with God or the infinite and I'm there and I'm just like, I have no idea. I don't know. But the source and the creator that, that made my heart beat, and made two human beings grow inside of my belly. Who am I to think they care? God or the universe could create that and not take care of me and not know what I need. So it, that's the surrender part to me. It's saying,
0: you know what? Like, amen. You, yeah, I was gonna say, well, first of all, you're like, you are officially my spiritual coach because I, <laughs> I love you. By
1: the way, I okay. can
2: tell that we would like we would get in trouble together. I know it. You've been it was trying so to fun. tell her
1: this shit, Tina Marie, for so long, and you come on, and all of a sudden she she's like, I'm, I've, I've, "I've converted." You know, this no, is my no, jam. No,
2: But we all need each other. That's why the share share is so important because sometimes we need it from a different direction and we need it in a different tone. And we, we could hear it. You could hear your mom say the same quote over and over and over. And then one person on TV could say it and it lands for you. And your mom's like, are you kidding
1: me? Yeah, Yeah. That's like me right now.
0: So it's just like we, we grew up uh, Jewish and within the Judaism faith and, i have a very broken and untrusting relationship with god um and you know scout has been very vocal about tapping back into prayer and to religion and kind of that connection it's never really been something i've Spirituality, thought about not
1: religion really so much more well spiritual.
0: right but just yeah. like that that connection to god and i but the way that you were kind of expressing it it just f- feels a lot more human to me i just i i am um i struggle with that like there's higher there's something above whereas i like the 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 with. we're all on yeah the with. all connection and we're all together on the same plane and i think that you know you saying like whatever created this and then my two babies like how could it not take care of this text that I got from my friend that, you know, it's just puts it into perspective for me, a lot, a lot clearer.
1: Hallelujah,
0: hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah, <laughs> hallelujah. We're just
1: gonna Baruch start Hashem. praising the Lord right now, okay?
0: <laughs> oh my God, Hashem. okay, exactly. So I do want to talk, you mentioned earlier, um, the real real on social media. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a huge part of your brand and of your presence is being very vulnerable on these channels when people uh, don't tend to be. So talk about like what kind of strategy you put in place to make sure that you are showing the the 360 version of Tina Marie and not just, you know, the gorgeous mom that we see, who's, you know, used to be a model, but all of these intricacies and insecurities. Like, how do you share that with your audience?
2: Um, I would say, through we were talking about that resistance thing. Uh, the other day, I was writing a post and I had noticed that while I was in quarantine, I was spending so much more time on. Instagram and all of that. And I was noticing that I would deviate. I would stir and I would go into a negative thought pattern and I would do it in observation of other people that were um, either in my arena or doing things well or whatever it was. And I was at the point where I was literally either, I was Googling what's the difference between jealousy and envy. And I like really did a deep dive on that. And I was like, Oh, what is that? And even just having that idea and owning that, that that was something that I was going through was I was so resistant to sharing that. And that's where the magic happens. Where I see resistance is the indicator of what I need to share. So I knew I didn't want to see. I didn't want to be seen as someone. I wanted to be seen as the, the teacher that has done you know, I, I would love to not have those weird thoughts where I have that drain of energy where I feel like I should be doing more or I should be doing better or, or be further along. I wish that I didn't have that, but that's not my truth. And can I still be a teacher and can I still be um, successful and still have those thoughts? And that's where I wanted to post about that because I'm like, no, that still happens for me, and I'm not going to arrive at this like fully done place. I think I'll always have that on some level. So I think that that's important to share, no matter what stage you are in the process. It's great to be uh, a teacher and uh, a uh, expert in your your craft, but you can simultaneously talk about what is not going great in those areas. And I think that that's empowering for other people because a lot of the time you see this prepackaged, everything's okay, everything's great at all times. And it's just not, like you said, sustainable or attainable. So I don't want somebody to observe me and feel like, I have it better. I want it more like the God situation. Like you're sitting next to me. We're here together. We're all figuring it out. Yours may show up at work. Mine may show up this way. Mine may show up with my kids. Mine may show up with my husband. Yours shows up, you know, at work. No matter what it is, it's same, same, but different. It's pain and discomfort and anxiety and fear And we're always working through that on some level. So I want a girl to know when they're looking at me and when they're observing me, that there is, there's a full spectrum that I will never not own those, that I'm I'm working on owning all of that. So I can sit next to you and say, yes, I feel you. I want to be shoulder to shoulder with another woman and say, okay, well, this is what I'm working, working through and this is what I'm working on and tell me what you're working on and be able to hold space for them while they're working and then them for me. And that's community for me. That's connection that we're all searching for. And it is a disservice to and disempowering to other women when we do not share those stories because it makes people judge themselves and, and feel bad. And it's, it's so much more, um, it's more of a rich relationship and connection when you can have a combination and when you can show up fully. And I think that that's important. And there's some things like I was thinking about it and I was, It's like, well, what is my, what is the end of my, like, capacity for vulnerability? I'm like, well, like, there are certain things that I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to talk about my sex life. I'm not necessarily going to talk about, like, if me and my husband are fighting, like, there's like a cap, not because I'm ashamed of it, just for privacy, Mm -hmm. like, in terms of, I believe that when we're going through stuff, like, there's a certain level, but when it comes to, um parenting, body, work, and all those things, there's, um, there's not really anything that's off, off topic for me. And I think that that's important. And whatever it is that you're willing to show up with, it doesn't have to be all areas, but sharing vulnerable stories just, it allows you to feel free. Like I love it because I feel
0: free after I do it
2: I'm like oh like I don't have to feel like I'm faking it I was like I just want to own that that's a part of my story because I don't want anybody figuring it out it's like the Eminem thing like you know what Eminem was rapping in eight mile he like basically he's a great example of owning your awful because he would tell you all of the messed up things about him like himself and his family so you couldn't make fun of him in a way mm-hmm. He would just be like, yeah, this is me, I live in a trailer park, I'm whatever, I'm this, I'm that. I kind of like that idea of being like, yeah, I do struggle with that. And I don't want to be offendable and I don't want to have that uh, out there. I kind of want to show up in that way and, and be seen for who I am because I spent so much time just not... And it's liberated to be fully seen and to not only be seen, but I feel like I'm more genuinely loved when I own my awful. Mm. It's more of a like you don't like my like people won't love my pre-produced self. They love it's okay for me to be rough around the edges. Mm. And people love that, and that is me owning. And loving my true nature. And, I, you know, sometimes I mess it up. I don't get it right every single time. I'm not like, oh, my God, I love my rough edges every single day. <laughs> but there's a lot of times where I want to lean into it and just be more of myself.
1: There's this quote that I have to read to you real quick because you're talking about being a teacher. And, and we sometimes look at teachers and say, wow, well, they have it all figured out. And they're preaching all this amazing stuff. But this is a quote by Rilke. He says, do not believe that he who seeks to comfort you lives untroubled among the simple and quiet words that sometimes do you good. His life has much difficulty and sadness and remains far beyond yours. Were it otherwise, he would never have been able to find those words. I love that. I love that quote. I feel like it just like encapsulated everything you just said.
2: Absolutely. Like I wouldn't know this if I didn't have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know the right words or what if I didn't have to search and, and figure that out. And it's important. And that, that really is a great, you have to send me that. That's really beautiful.
0: Um, Talk to us a little bit about, you know, where this teaching of yours and this terminology and this method can be practiced. Do you have, seminars? Do you meet with groups? Like, where does it manifest that people can uh, do this work on their own? Are
1: you taking on private clients for Maddie? Yeah.
0: (laughs) My (laughs) real question. (laughs) So people can buy
2: the book and it's actually a workbook. So they can um, sift through their own stir stories and that's on amazon.com and then I'm working on an online course uh, right now so people will be able to really it'll be a masterclass of really getting into a deep dive in how to apply and storytelling with the shift method so I'm excited about getting that to people and it's interesting because I normally do retreats or panels or speaking engagements and because of COVID-19 I haven't been able to do that but the silver lining has been um, through not being able to be with people it's kind of um, guided me to be able to expedite the online course so I can get out to more people so it's not just one-on-one or group settings it's really going to be able to have more of a community and a widespread awareness of the method and an application of it so it's um that's the magic in the mundane like the like the magic in the in COVID-19 like I could have never expected that this would have actually been an accelerant on my business versus I'm more excited now that I was being you know, knee-deep in all of my projects. This is really so exciting for me and that's uh, weird for me to even see because I'm like, wait, like, I don't get to be with people, but um, I'm working on the content and working on all of that and that's um, my highest calling, is getting this to as many people that are willing to listen and try and even if, no one is. It is still like my life journey to share this because I've seen it. I've seen it work. So I am excited to get that out there. But if anybody, and um, I would say the best way to learn the principles and work the method is to buy the book. And then eventually, if you don't see me in person at a retreat or on a panel, then it's um, waiting for the online course. So, and I'm working my butt off to get it to everyone as quickly as possible.
0: Not that anybody is
2: like, I don't want to say anybody's knocking down my door for it, but I'm knocking at my own door. We're
0: we're knocking on your door. We're knocking (laughs) knocking on your door. Um, you said the magic in mundane moments, which I think is so special. And, uh, Scott and I are big gratitude people over here. We love expressing gratitude and I typically find a lot of my gratefulness comes in smaller form rather than these like overarching moments in life. So talk to us kind of like even this week or even today, like what was a mundane moment that was just like so magical to you?
2: Um, okay, so I, my car ran out of battery. And I remember thinking and I, I didn't see the my our other car in the garage. And I remember thinking, Oh, that's so weird. He wouldn't ne- my husband, he would never leave me without a car. That's so weird. But it's okay because there's a the possibility that he just wasn't thinking or he wasn't aware. But I remember thinking in the background, like, oh, that's just so unlike him. He's so thoughtful. And then I went on with my day, like just going on with that thing. And then it was revealed that he really did think that way. And I really did know him and he set the keys out for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that was just a simple thing. Something so small, his level of thoughtfulness. But I was like, that is just a deepening of and it's simple. It's magic in the mundane. It's a car key. There's nothing, you know, crazy about that. But it was just that thoughtfulness, and it reminded me of uh, my gratitude towards him and my love for him. I'm like, I really know your heart. I know that you. I, I have that that tape in my mind is, oh, you're always looking out for me. You're always so thoughtful. So I was um, just, I just loved him even more. I was like, oh. You were just really freaking thoughtful. You're just mm. he's one of those. Uh, and, and I could tell you 10 things that he isn't, but that <laughs> is something that he is. And I was like, oh, it was just like a little, I was like, damn, I picked the best one. Or the I I, I picked a good one. Aww, I love
1: that. I love That's that. so sweet. All right, should we ask our question, Mads? Yes. Okay, if you had, we like to end all of our podcast episodes with this question. If you had to brag about one thing that you've accomplished in life and don't be humble, what would you brag about? Ooh, this is a good one.
2: Oh, I really want to think about this. Does it have to be soulful or can it be a little bit like...
1: It can be whatever you want. It could be that you're proud that you saved up enough money to buy a Chanel purse.
2: Oh, yeah. So I would say my Birkin. That's amazing. Yeah, I would say my Birkin because I, this is the reason why I was in um, I was on vacation and Jeff Gordon and his wife were together, and he said something really cool to me. He said, uh, she bought her first Birkin, I bought her second Birkin, and we bought her third.
1: I love that. That's gold.
2: And I remember being like, wow. So in my mind, I thought, you know what? I need to get my, you know what? i maybe I I can get, you know, a bag like that. So uh, this was years and years ago. And then I got my first Birkin and I just remember it wasn't about, it was just about like this time and space in my life. And I did it all on my own. I, you know, I, I think there's a lot of assumptions about my husband's successful and he really, he's so generous and very sweet. But I really get a lot of stuff on my own and I take care, take, obviously, he takes care of me and whatever. And he would buy me all of those things. But there's something really uh, rewarding about buying your own big things for what they mean for you. It's not about, um, it was just a moment in time. So I would say. I love that.
1: Yeah, I, a, I mean I agree uh, yeah. I love that so much yes that's 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 a good one I love that Thank that's you. Amazing. okay well you tell everyone where they can find you because everyone should be following you is what we think
2: but thank you thank you and you guys are in uh, San Diego and LA yes. yes okay cool so when you guys come to New York or I come to LA we should hang but yes. can find me at at Tina Marie Clark on Instagram and uh, the Ship stir Method on Amazon. But yeah, DM me and send me a message. And I'm always happy to process stir stories. So if somebody is knee deep in anxiety, I'm happy to help them and that's like the powerful stuff. Like I love helping people when they're in there. They're like, okay, I'm sitting. I need results. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting, I'm sitting. You're, you're gonna get a DM.
1: You're gonna get a DM from Maddie every day. I'm sitting, I'm sitting, I'm sitting. <laughs> I'm getting... <gasps> Maddie, I, I really it.
2: think you'll be um just a reminder, I think you'll be uh really helped by a mantra and I'll, I'll send you a few, but I think a mantra oh, will be I love that. It'll just like get you back to a mantra where you're like, okay, I need to remind myself why I'm doing this in real time. So what nice. is one thing that will send me back to center? And one that really helps me that I love is I'm exactly where I need to be.
0: Mm, I love that. I'm
2: exactly where I need to be. So when somebody like, uh, you know, doesn't respond to my email, and I'm like really quick because I want to like confirm that they like me or confirm that everything's mm. okay or that they're going to hire me again or whatever it is where I've deviated. I'm like, okay, TM, you're exactly where you need to be. You're exactly where you need to be. And that can, can sometimes bring you back to mm. releasing that uh, need to uh, produce a result.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, I would love love that. that. Yeah. You are just like such a gem. Wow. Thank you so much for coming on and talking with us. We really, really appreciate it. We know how busy you are. You're a mom. You're just like the spectacular woman. And so sweet. Thank you so much. Thank you you. for
2: having me on. This was awesome. And I really this is awesome. So thank you. Thank you.